Today, This American Dice presents Episode 5 of The Fate of Blackburn the Lesser. The team sent to find or avenge Piranesi's heir apparent engaged in a bloody battle with orc warriors and lived. They've chased off an orc shaman and felled four of the mighty orcs. But where do they turn now? Are they too wounded to turn at all? Find out today on This American Dice. You guys are now standing nearby to the, I'm just going to say, northern uh, kind of part of the center of the Orcish Quarter. At the center of that Orcish Quarter had been kind of the town marketplace. Uh, and at the center of that was this big statue of Fleet Crippler Durthog, this Orc uh, naval commander and military general and pillar of the community, at least in re possibly in folklore, but also possibly in real history, too. So you guys are standing there. There are four orc corpses. Um, Donato is absolutely covered in blood because he barfed just torrents of blood all over himself. Pascal also got pretty beat up. Um, I don't remember if Comet and Farley Comet got pretty beat up too. I kept I uh, failing on my rolls. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. You had fallen into a pit full of glass and like old blades and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Farley, I think has been fine this whole time. Untouched. Untouched. He's he's like unspoiled. Oh, I scuffed my shoe. <laughs> he goes home. <laughs> But yeah, so that's where we find ourselves. Um, the storm that had been so rough when you guys got here has abated. Uh, the skies are still kind of... Uh, they're still grim and gray where it's like extra dark. So you can see some light from the moon, but the stars for the most part are kind of covered by the general uh, dark clouds that still are... They're moving away and they're kind of dissipating, if that is is a thing that clouds yeah clouds can do that so rather than like blowing away like a strong wind is carrying them off they're just kind of like slowly dissipating so things are dark still um and yeah some of you guys are in pretty bad shape you certainly look very worse for the wear and now here you are among these four orc corpses so there was actually something i wanted to investigate from last time uh last time when we were fighting these orcs we noticed that they had these amulets that like that three fingers on them and they'd curl down each time they took like massive, you know, injury. Uh, are any of those amulets still have fingers up? Uh, there's one where the middle one is, uh, that was too easy, Carl. Too easy. Uh, oh, so now you, uh, yeah, exactly. And spike. There was one on a corp, the corpse of an orc where the orc died and the fingers did not shrivel up. And then Carl, or either I think it was me I think it was you I think Donato tried to use some kind of healing magic and something went wrong and instead those fingers then did shrivel up okay um I don't know if there are so why don't we settle this 
by you looking around. Okay, I'm going to look around. And part <laughs> of the reason... <laughs> Part of the reason that I was interested as he sort of like comes up closer to these corpses and takes a look at these amulets is because as a bard, like he actually has a specialization in knowing about like spells and like magics. And he wants to see if like maybe he can turn these towards the benefit of the party in some way. Ooh. Okay. So is this to get information about them or you're just looking for them <clears throat> to have them? Because I so, think you can get the information about them even if they're all fucked up. Yes, so technically it's, I can ask you any one question about it. And then if you want, you can ask me how I know that information. Sure, why don't you ask me that? Because what I was saying was like, why don't we have you make a discern realities role and depending on that, maybe you find one that's okay. Um, now this should be specifically like, um, my bardic lore is focused on spells and magics. And I'm hoping this will fall in that category, especially since it's orcish. Yeah, yeah, let's have you do that instead, because I do think most of these are gone, but so far, okay. each of the orc bodies you've seen has had one on them, so it wouldn't be insane to encounter one again. Okay, so yeah, he's going to go over there and um, uh, like handle one of these with all of its fingers down, and he like uh, racks his memory, and uh, he, he asks himself, um, do I know... Uh, how can I make this magic work for us? Like, or, sorry, does that fall under this purview? I can ask you any one question about it. Okay, that doesn't really sound right. Um, how about... You can answer that, and I'll, I can I can definitely answer that one for you. I just okay, don't know how, exciti just, just just don't know how exciting that. the answer will be. So That's, that's fine. Let's go is with... There, um, is there a trickier answer that you can... A question that you could get where it's like really smushing three questions, two questions together? No. Now let's go with that. Let's. I was, I'm wondering, like, can I? Can someone who's not these orcs use magic like this? So, um, you remember? Do you? You then tell me how you remember this and how you know it. Yeah, you give me the answer, and you can, if you want, you can have me tell you. How do I know that? Oh, of course I'll do that. Um, so I kind of told you guys this out of game at the end of the session last time around. So the way that the the magic works is. So long as you are not killed, but you suffer any harm, uh, afterwards, the fingers can heal up to three harm. Um, and it gets to, like, the Wound Weaver's kind of magical um, forte of weaving wounds, where essentially, like, your wounds weave themselves shut. They usually leave, like, nasty scars um, I think I described that when you were fighting the first of the orcs that had these. Um, but all it requires is that you just be wearing the necklace. That's it. Uh, however, once the once they're used, they're used up. And they would require uh, someone who can create these to cr either create or add on to the necklace with new fingers. Maybe you could use other appendages, but... Fingers seem to be the uh, the item of choice. Okay. Um, so Donato will relay that information. He'll like, turn to the party and he'll say, uh, I recognize these. Um, I had a tutor once and uh, she told me that um, although the orcs are skilled in many different kinds of magics, different tribes specialize in different things and this magic, and he'll like, shake the amulet is considered especially foul amongst uh, 
any civilized orcs uh, culture and to avoid it at all costs for good reason apparently and he says but the good news is if we find any more of these that aren't expended you know like toss this like expended one back on the ground we can use them to our advantage and they're only going to activate if their wielder takes damage and isn't killed so you know, like turn to farley and he'll say uh, if you've got any um if you can kill in one shot that seems like it's going to be preferable going forward um, I think so, yeah. Um, and, and while you're talking to Farley, he's looking around at the bodies and trying to find one that's maybe vaguely Farley-sized. Um, you had said that you're pretty heavy. Yeah. You're just, um, and I forget how tall you said you were, but one of the things about the orcs is they're, they tend to be big. Mm. So, um... If you're down with wearing clothing that's maybe meant for a taller person, but a person who's maybe uh like maybe yeah, like a shirt yeah. So just like if you if you were fine with wearing a shirt that would fit your size but not your height, if that makes sense. That's fine. He'll he'll roll them up a little bit. Um, okay. But as as he's putting on the clothes, he's like, "I spent a little time in the theater, and I can uh, I can put these clothes on and become an orc." And he'll use the advanced disguise ability uh, that I've just picked up oh, wow. to try to look like an orc as well as possible. And then perhaps I can I can follow your plan, Donato, and I can sneak up on one and murder him from behind. And I'll bring you back some fingers if you really need them. Wow, interesting. Okay, so is does this do we see this uh, kind of change that Farley goes through where he changes into this outfit and uh, looks way more like an orc? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not magical or anything. It's just a matter of him, like, you know, gathering up the clothes, putting them on and kind of hunching over and, uh, you know, probably dirtying up his face a little bit. And, and I, he'll even, like, they have tusks, right? Oh, mm -hmm. Okay. Sure, why not? You know, he's got to do it for the role, right? He'll, uh, he'll, you know, break off a tusk or something and put it in his mouth so it looks like he has a tusk. Um, and then, yeah, transform. It takes just as, as long as you have time and, and like equipment, you can make yourself look like any other species. It's roughly the same size and shape. Okay. So, yeah. So say that you, if you guys are willing to spend some time here while we're, you're like figuring stuff out, and this could also give you an opportunity to ask other questions that, yeah, if you guys are willing to spend some time, Farley has the ability to look like an orc, though, like a, a shorter orc or... Maybe this would have some trouble holding up after in like real tight scrutiny, but it says that the only thing that will give me away is my behavior. Appearance Ooh. wise, they think I'm an orc. Okay. Interesting. All right. But yeah, so maybe you you do this stuff up and you uh maybe Oh, maybe this is goofy, but maybe you're like, wait a minute, their feet are huge. I can wear their boots with my shoes inside them, and now you're a good bit taller. I'll probably stuff the boots too. So like, I'm kind of standing up on, on like stuff that I've put in the boots. So like, I'm actually, I look a little taller. I'm like a little higher up. Sure. And, uh, change my voice. Now you have a man on the inside. All right. So yeah, now you, now you guys have an, uh, an orc companion. Very interesting. The if, bork, if... the bork cod piece, he makes it stand more prom stand out more prominently. Beautiful. Uh, so if this is like a sort of we're taking time to rest here, 
I got healed to full because of that um, potion that was given by Farley. If there's any time for it, I can spend the time like healing if either of you guys are messed up. Um, I'm going to drink uh, my healing potion um, here. That way I don't take any more penalties before I do any healing stuff myself. But, I mean, if you're you're willing, I'm also totally on board for that. If the, the magical soothing sounds of my rhymes can heal you too. So, if we have time, do that. It's just, he just has trouble coming up with like a new rhyme every time he has to like heal you. <laughs> he has to come up with like 30 of them over the next like hour. Um, Comet, if we're spending like a moment here, our bond is that you trusted me with a secret. Yes. Do you have any thoughts on what that is? Maybe I got like super drunk and like ranty at one point, and I was like, "I'm gonna leave. I'm leaving the church, man. I'm do. I'm doing it. I, I'm just. I'm opening a bookstore. I'm burning it. I'm burning it all to the ground, dude. It's going down. I'm opening that library. I, I don't even know if my gods even like. I'm real. <laughs> okay, nice. So then, um, while while like I was trying to come up with these rhymes to heal you. Like in between, like healing, he'll he'll say to you, um, you know, Comet, if you still entertain um, um, dark notions of opening a bookstore, uh, and that sort of thing interests you, I have this. And he pulls out this songbook he has that's in a forgotten tongue that he doesn't know how to read. Oh, he says, um, it's it belongs to someone very important to me, uh, but I can't read it. Just letting you know, if we ever have time and you want to take a look at this. Let me know what you think about it. Yes, yes, a uh, hundred times. I would, I would love to, to, to look at it. You know, like put it back in his bag, and it says, "I appreciate that." Let me know if, uh, if you can shed any light on it for me later. Of course, yeah, definitely. And you just see like a little small smile before Worry immediately covers his face again because you're covered in blood. And then I think I'm gonna down a, a health potion to get the ten. And then uh, that way. Well, I should be able to do some. I don't know how much. I suppose that's up to Austin. Um. Well, I mean, if you guys are willing to, it. It all depends. How much are you guys willing to just rest for a few hours? If we're resting for an hour, I could do. Because uh, when we leveled up, I also can help with our healing in general. I can do uh, cure light wounds. Uh, is now a rote and therefore doesn't count against my limit of granted spells, so it's a D8. Uh, and then I also have Devoted Healer on that, so whenever I heal someone, uh, I can add my level to uh, that heal as well. So if I, I'm doing a D8 plus two. So really, I guess what it comes down to is, do you guys think that you were like, like, I'm sorry. Do you guys think that time is of the essence here and that you can't you have to just knock out some stuff that will require some rolls or require you using whatever spells or can you just say all right everybody chill out and rest for three hours four hours and i feel like time's gain, sort of of the essence personally gain some hit points back i would i'd go for the former personally what about you guys it's kind of where i was leaning to did we did we find anything in the pit that might help us uh, figure out which way to go now? Not in the pit, no. Um, you did find 
Uh, when you guys got out of the pit, you did find and even talk to a dead body of a bandit um, who was killed by, you figured out, one of the honor guard. And you're pretty positive that, or at least you, some of you guys conjectured or conjected uh, that um, the the Blackburn the Lesser is with them. And that those bandits were killed because they tried to essentially like, oh, we're going to try to waylay this kid. And then it was like, oh, oh God, there are these elite royal guards people that are here. And then they got killed by them. So it doesn't seem like the orcs even have him. It's like royal guardsmen have him right at this point. The yeah, that bandit didn't mention any orcs in the at all. Hmm. Hmm. So how how big is this place? Like have we have we been moving slowly uh, to avoid detection so far? Is it something that I could maybe canvas in a, in a short amount of time in my orc disguise? Um, very quickly, and then get back to these guys. Like scout around and see if I if I see any any other movement or any other groups. Sure. Um, you guys at first weren't moving that slowly, in part because Pascal was like, "Haha, dead ahead!" and like running ahead. So you guys actually kind of made better time, but also did get noticed by uh, both those hounds and then later on uh, the orcs and the shaman. Uh, if you are disguised, that might work to kind of be able to let you move ahead more quickly and scout ahead to see what direction you might want to go in. And that might give these guys time at least to each knock out one of their various healing deals. Do you want to do that while I scout around? All right, Farley will do that. Farley will uh, skulk about, um, but he's he's trying to move quickly and, and find out if there's anyone else on this island or how many groups of orcs there are and if he sees any royal guardsmen, he'll definitely head back to these guys and let them know. Okay. Um, sure. So let's have, we see Farley heading off in his orc costume. And uh, when you guys are talking to him, you probably know it's him. And then if you look away and then look back at him, you're like, ah, an orc. Um, like that kind of a deal. Um, and you see him like kind of leaving off into the distance and he's moving differently than Farley does kind of maybe sneaking less. He's trying to like hulk about more. All right. Uh, but yeah, let's have Comet and Donato do whatever they're going to do to try to heal. Uh, whomever needs it. Um, so I get that little bump uh, if I heal someone else. So I'm going to heal Pascal during our time. It is a uh, a rote now because I have okay. first uh, first aid. So cure light wounds is a rote for you, and therefore doesn't count against your limit of granted spells. Ooh, so that you still need to roll to do it. It just oh. doesn't count against your limit of spells that you know. Copy. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if that changes your calculus. No, but definitely not. Okay. It'll just have that negative one to it since I have that permanent negative one right now. Okay. Um. That's a 12. Hey, there you go. So you could lose two points on that and be fine. Well, natural 12. Uh, so do you want to roll the D8 for yourself, or do you want me to roll it for you? Uh, I I might have jumped the gun. I already rolled one. There we go. Add <laughs> well, two, oh, two. Add two? All right. Yes. And then I think he's also applying his, uh, his uh, herbs and stuff, maybe like some bandages and herbal remedy kind of thing. 
Uh, I can help you with that as well. I have bandages if you want me to try to keep the red stuff still in. Keep the red stuff in me. <laughs> uh, I think that gets me up pretty uh pretty close. I'm just four four below. Okay, oh, a lot better. Well, what does uh, what does this look like when Comet uh, heals him? Uh, I would say that uh, I unwrap the um, the cords. I, I would say is the red braided cords around his uh, his wrists and almost like they're uh, like those para bracelets. And I kind of just almost like Doctor Strange it in the air. It kind of glows arcanely as <laughs> put the arms out and this light just kind of emits from his chest before right. rewrapping. Okay, cool. How does that feel, Pascal? He's amazed, probably like, oh, well, quite well done. Thanks. Uh, sorry, it's just a little weird. I haven't really done these a lot, but um, yeah, uh, it should make you tip top and just, I kind of just like smack him on the, <laughs> the arm gingerly, like, you know. It's like a well, if, if your lock could do this the whole time, I understand why you're into suffering. Doesn't seem to leave much lasting damage, does it? And I'm just going to kind of like look and go, ah. Oh. So that took a little bit of time. And I know, Donato, you had been interested in doing something. Yeah, who needs more hit point? Who needs more health back? Uh, Comet, right? I am so hurt right now. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he'll, uh, he's been over here like trying to hide that he's been like thinking about how to do it he's like, like a light bulb goes off in his head he strides over to you and he like starts gesticulating wildly and all this like the blood droplets like flinging upon you from like his robes and he says these vicious wounds which need a closing are no match for my melodious hosing and like he, he pours his uh magic upon you and you uh should heal do you have to roll? Do you have to roll anything as a spell to do that? Oh, uh, I heal one d8, but I don't have to roll to. Oh, you're right. I do. Okay. So something could go wrong, is what you're saying. Yes. Uh, yeah. I got a seven. Okay, so it's a on a seven to nine. That's you have to. It, it choose... works, but I draw unwanted attention. So as far as the working part, the healing component heals six damage to comment. Six. And right. then you decide the seven and nine bit. Oh, I decide that or you decide it? Oh, uh, it says you, but if you want me to, I will. Oh, is it me? It says on a seven and nine, your spell still works, but you draw unwanted attention or your magic reverberates to other targets affecting them as well. GM's choice. Oh, hmm. As uh, Comet and Donato are taking their time to heal um, those members of the party who have been injured, we see Farley kind of lumbering off to go investigate something. And now, um, could you make a wisdom roll for me? Me? Sure. Yes, Farley. I'm going to almost treat this like kind of like you're kind of like scouting ahead. So... I get a four and a three, which is seven. But because I have a negative one, it becomes a six. Oh, shit. Up. Oh. <laughs> Uh-oh, indeed. And you're kind of off on your own, too. Mm -hmm. Oh, crap. Hmm. 
Turns out you don't actually know what an orc walks like, sounds yeah. like, smells like. No, yeah, I would like. never be caught dead associating with an orc. <laughs> yeah, you forgot their knees bend the other way. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, you're trying to walk backwards. Um, oof. Okay. Six on that one. All right. Um, we see you kind of like, like hulking about. I got two big options, and I'm trying to figure out a way to make them work together. Hit me, yeah, hit me. Make it, make it good. Oh. Use both of them at the same time. I mean, also just because of what Carl just rolled, where he's like, he's like, oh, these two things could happen. There you go. I'm like, oh shit. You kind of like hulk up to the scene that you see ahead of you, and there are these. Um, there's this is another scene of like a conflict that's occurred. And Farley sees that there's uh, these um, the hounds that you guys had encountered earlier and some of which you had killed. There's probably like three or four of them. They're all dead. Like oh. A couple of them have been like just uh, like run through or hacked in half. It is a grim scene. Uh, and there's there's a fair amount of blood. There's never an unfair amount of blood. Yeah, yeah. There's an unfair quantity of blood. <laughs> As you're kind of looking, like looking over this scene, you pass by one of the one of the bodies mm-hmm. and notice that there's like something shiny underneath it. Oh God! And yeah, it kind of like that. Yeah, it it peak, it piques your interest for a second, and you kind of like yeah. go to lean over and rolling out from under this like dead eviscerated orc hound um, is this guards person who just shoves a sword into your stomach. Ouch! Could you roll... I forgot that these guys are fucking badasses. Uh, Could you roll 2d10 and tell me which one is higher? Oh! Alright, I got an 8 and a 9, so I guess I'll take the 9. Fuck, (laughs) 9. As this person just stabs you in the stomach and you see this uh, this woman with co- her face is covered in dirt. I'm just going to say it's like buff Carrie Ann Moss mm-hmm. uh, is how, how she looks. And I'm already very into this movie now. Um, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> but you so can lead buff, us back here, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, buff Carrie Ann Moss in this armor rolls out from under this thing. And she just kind of does this lunge and tries to jam this thing. Not tries to, she does stab you with this sword. Um, I had said that we don't need to have it all be like specifically physical injuries of like, you get stabbed in the guts, you get hit in the blah, blah, blah. But like you are hurt very badly as this person who is a really serious warrior just attacks the shit out of you. And um, she is absolutely going to kill you. And I think she's, she's like heaving and panting and you can see in her eyes that like, um, she looks insane. She just looks. She looks nuts. Like the, the the in the craziest bar fight that you've ever seen, where a person went like absolutely buck wild, where all of their friends were like, "He's we don't even know who he is anymore." Like she's in that mode. Okay, um, Farley doesn't want to fight her at all. Um, obviously, you know, so. He will, he'll yell out like, oh, oh, good, good shot. And he'll, he'll back off and he like, he tries to make himself look small and frail and hand his, hold his hand out and just, just starts talking like immediately like, oh, good, good shot guardsman. Uh, oh, I came looking for you. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, don't hit me again. And he just tries to look as pitiful as possible. 
so that maybe that'll that'll phase her. As you're as you're kind of cowering, and we see her with this huge like uh, like broadsword. I feel like they're. I think the view I'm trying to go with them, the look I'm trying to go with them is that they're kind of a holdover from a more medieval look mm-hmm. and everything else looks much more kind of renaissance-y right. and they do not. Like these guys, these these characters look like they came out of like, they should be, they're wearing plate mail type stuff and fighting with broadswords. Oh yeah, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna beat her in a fair fight, so I'm gonna grovel. And so, yeah, so that that's what we see as we, we kind of flash on her face. And, and again, it's just covered in dirt and blood. And you don't know whose blood it is. And we hop back over. In each of these situations, one of you is not involved. So when Comet was healing Pascal, Donato was not involved. When Donato was healing Comet, Pascal was not involved. Um, Donato, when Comet was healing Pascal, what were you up to? Was that when you were looking at those finger necklaces? Um. Yeah, yeah, uh, um, yeah. He can take another look at them, to sort of make sure he's sort of um, expended all of his options for making anything useful out of these guys. Um, yeah, say that. Comet, when Donato was similarly healing you, I'm sorry, Pascal, when Donato was healing Comet, what were you up to? Um, I would say Comet would be trying not to uh, hyperventilate or have mm-hmm. like a freak out because I'm covered in blood. Uh, I just had to touch a dead person. Well, hold on. So Donato healed Comet. Right. So Pascal actually would have been the one who was not doing something, right? True. Actually, yes, you're right. So yeah. So, but it's good. To, it's good to know what Comet was going through while he's being healed because he would be disgusted by this. Specifically, had Donato described all the blood flying off of him. Essentially, just like it would have been like one hand on like uh, a wall off to the side and his head just hanging and just kind of like that trying not to throw up, like retching and just like taking a minute, just taking a minute, taking a several minutes. And then I, I think when those two are doing uh, patching each other up, I think Pascal has his uh, spear like he's kind of a almost like kneeling and has his spear to his forehead again. And he's, he's, I think he's going to try and consult those spirits in his weapon. Ooh. Well, would you want to make the role first to tell us like what the first encounter with this is, or do you want to tell us the idea of the spirits within the weapon? I think we already kind of know it, um, at least from Pascal's perspective, which do you think would be the better way to go? Um, You mean describe the, the spear god first and then roll or at least yeah or or do the opposite yeah i'll i'll do that um the thing i just said um okay so i think the spear god is a from his perspective it's definitely just a uh you know um i think like a booming voice i think it's very traditional because it's um at least according to the god it's the first weapon that was ever created by man which is a uh, debatable, but, uh, and so it fe- it feels that it's like the most, uh, you know, battle hardened of all the other weapon gods and probably any other God that's ever existed. But because of this or that excuse that the God makes, you know, it's, well, I have to, why else would I want to be out in the world when I could be in the, the most perfect example of spears 
in the spirit and you are Pascal or spirit child are just, you know, my most recent weapon on this earth. So I'm going to make sure that I steer you correctly. So very, uh, patronizing, very haughty, very traditional, I guess. And so Pascal has previously talked to this, this weapon. So this will be just really like a kind of mechanization of that. Yeah. That's how I'm thinking. You think it. so? Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I have one other question for you before we actually do this about you and the spear. How did he get this thing? Yeah, uh, I think during the, uh, what was it, the cataclysm or the incident or what were we calling it again? The the, 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 the the sacking of the capital, the calamity. The calamity, yeah. I think I think we said that he was very young uh, in that, but he was in that fight. And I think he found it in like the ruins of the capital. It just maybe steered his mind into finding it then. Um, I had thought about an image that you said, and I'm going to throw this out there. Please feel free to say, no, that doesn't fit. I mean, throwing's more of a javelin thing, but sure. Okay, that was the issue. I was like, what if it's a javelin instead? <laughs> no. Uh, you had mentioned that there were all these people who were, like, impaled, was this uh, maybe one of the spears that was involved in that or somehow not involved in that in a way that was like, made you go, my God, this is the one. Oh, yeah, I love that. That's awesome. For sure. Maybe, oh, maybe it was he had a, a flash of falling down this pit and the spear was absolutely going to impale him, like maybe eyeball first or something. And then when he opened his eyes again, he was just on the ground and the spear was like in his hands or something. And then started talking to him then. Okay. So it was found in this pit, and it was surely going to be the instrument of your death, but it must have seen something in you. Hmm, okay. So, go ahead and you make a charisma roll. Yeah, sure do. Oh no, <laughs> got a snake eyes, perfect. Oh boy. Fuck me running, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie and Moss comes here and whoops your ass, too. <laughs> A second Carrie Ann Moss, but it's pregnant Carrie Ann Moss from Fido, and she's even tougher. Yeah, and she's <laughs> pregnant with a, with a third Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah. <laughs> Pascal, you have this flashback to um, to the the calamity to the sacking of the capital and we see you as a like 15 year younger man or 50 or possibly even boy i don't know how old would you say you were when uh, the calamity occurred yeah i think i said he was in it's like mid 30 so yeah probably uh like maybe 20 at the most yeah so he's he's somewhere between like 17 and 20 somewhere in that range where you're like you are very uncomfortably young. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, we see you standing there with other guards. And had you been a, were you becoming a professional soldier or were you like a, like, there's a bunch of people attacking. You guys are now soldiers. Defend us. Kind of a thing. Yeah, I think more like that. Okay. This is one of the first fights he'd officially gotten. Um, so then, theoretically, you grew up, or at least at that point, lived near the capital. 
And um, yeah, that's how I'm thinking it's you. Uh, so it's you and some other people who are from uh, either from the capital itself or from nearby towns, and they're standing there. They're holding um, uh, what are they holding? Axes, spears, clubs. Were they outfitted at least with like swords or something like that? Um, yeah, I'm wondering how differently the capital uh, was. I'm kind of thinking like uh, like Roman esque kind of thing. So maybe like a like spear and like the the hoplite kind of look, perhaps. Okay. At least the foot soldiers, but maybe the the uh, the actual trained people that they spent money on actually look more like. Oh, we've got armor and swords and things. All right, so you guys have like wooden shields and spears. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm thinking like okay. the wooden. Like, oh, we sharpen this pole for you. Gotcha. Go ahead and kill an orc. Yeah, so you're you're kind of there really to be a, a barrier between uh, the people who know what they're doing to give the people who know what they're doing slightly more time. Yeah. And as you guys are standing there, you hear someone say, like, you hear someone make a call of like, ready yourselves. And you guys are kind of like all getting together and people are people are like making these like kind of conjectury comments of of like like uh of somebody nearby I'm trying not to do a British accent for this or a crazy <laughs> over the top Italian accent but somebody basically just says like like oh you know how it is these there, there are these sightings of orcs here and there. Somebody gets upset and somebody gets worried. Some, some farmers' cows get stolen or goats get killed or something like that. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of us have to come here. And somebody's like, "Then why would we come all the way in towards the capital? That's stupid. You're an idiot." And another person who's like almost pissing themselves in fear is like, "I don't know. I don't know. Did you see all those guys? They look like they know what they're doing and they're not fooling around. If this was just some cows getting mutilated, would you? Would you? And you hear like. Get back in line! And this guy on a horse is like yelling at uh, this even younger than you kind of peasant levy soldier, and um, and this guy who's terrified is is standing next to you and tries to get back in line. And you guys kind of put yourselves back in formation, and uh, this the equivalent of like a drill sergeant type dude, but who's on like a a, a horse and who's kind of hopping around to make sure everybody's kind of doing what they're supposed to. Says like, stay ready, you need to. And then you hear this whistling noise that you remember. And you just remember the look on the sergeant's face as this javelin went through him and through the horse. And then you remember hearing that noise so many more times that it sounded like raindrops falling all over you as just massive numbers of these orc javelins were hurled at you got oh my god use I almost guys. said use use guys <laughs> at at y'all no at, at, at you guys um and i think we just see like the face of that very terrified peasant levy who was standing next to you and then we see your face and uh i don't know if pascal was like haha battle or like at the time like this is terrifying um, I think maybe before that he was like, "Oh no, we're gonna be heroes. This is, this is, this is gonna be great." As his like voice cracks and stuff. And then after seeing that, maybe he's like pale and like gripping this this wooden stick that they've given him. Like, uh, yeah. And um, we 
to kind of just to make sure that we get this scene we see pascal at some point retreating with other people and um all of them fall into one of the defensive pits that the capital the capitaline troops had like established and that's where these like spikes are hmm. and uh of course that's where you encounter that spear where you're almost speared and you you find it of course, directly next to uh, the javelin-riddled body of that peasant levy guy who was terrified. <laughs> exactly. And that's when you hear that same noise that sounds once again like a lighter rain, but nonetheless like rain. And you would know it anywhere. It's Orc Javelins. So Farley, this this guardswoman, this honor guard, is advancing towards you, and she has absolute fury in her eyes. And when you start speaking the way you do, um, she looks down at you and says, I knew it. I knew it. We knew there was a traitor, and she's going to absolutely attack you again. Okay, I'm trying to get out of the way. Okay, so go ahead and make a uh, defy danger. How are you? How are you? How are you getting out of the way of this? Because I think she's just gonna big Darth Vader overhand. She's so mad. She's gonna try to chop you in half like a fucking log. He's trying to put like things in between him and her, um, while while tying her out so he could make a run for it. Like once she's like exhausted from swinging a huge piece of metal around, then he's gonna try to beat a retreat and just run away. That sounds like wisdom to me. Is that what you're going for? Not really, but I could okay. do that if you want. <laughs> I, I was, my, well, well, what is wisdom? Is wisdom fast thinking? Or is that? The, uh, or, wisdom, or, I thought, was more judgment and reading people. But, um, well, let me, under defy danger, let me check. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. No, it says through mental fortitude. I was way wrong. Bye. I could think of that as quick thinking of, hey, I have to put this into, um, into the way. We could also just do decks of I'm, I'm leaping out of the way, and if that includes behind a thing. So with uh, intelligence or dexterity, whichever would is uh, floats, your, floats your boat. I'll, I'll make it difficult for myself and say intelligence. Go for sure. it. Why not? Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> Snake eyes. Oh, God. Jesus. Yep. Oh, okay. Um... Well, for as long as it lasts. Yeah, I think that. Oh, what if like dramatically you kind of pop behind something, and then we just see this sword come down through it. Mm-hmm. Um. And. Ooh, could yeah, just go ahead and make that damage roll for me. Okay. So you hop behind something that maybe is like uh, like old weather battered uh sun bleached wood um and maybe some like old kind of like uh plaster type stuff and you think this is going to work out as something to block this and this woman's strength is so much more substantial than you were kind of prepared for i rolled a five and a two so i assume i'm taking five damage you got it so if i can farley will change track and say Yes, indeed, and I will tell you everything they're planning. If you'll, I, I surrender. I'll tell you everything that's going on. I can explain it everything. Sure. And so we 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 see that Farley. At this point, I assume you are very in pretty rough shape. Oh yeah. Yeah. This uh, 
even this like wood that she uh, wrecked up now looks like oh like it is evidence of the the terrible damage let alone you yourself and how messed up you are she kind of like lurches forward towards you and just says like like you failed you failed we're going to bring we're going to bring him back and it doesn't matter and every single one of you is going to be dead i but- swear to god i swear to the gods but the ambush, there's an ambush that's, they're lying in wait. Uh, we, if we go now, we can try to stop them from being ambushed. That sounds like you're trying to do, is that a parlay roll, you think? Yeah, sure. I'm trying? I'm trying to make her seem that I'm so craven that I'm giving up my, uh, I don't know, whoever she thinks I'm working with. I just want her to stop hurting me. That's the main thing. But why? <laughs> yeah, some people would pay good money for that. Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't like Carrie Ann Moss, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my my initial um if you saw Dragon Prince. Yes. The, the cartoon, my initial thought was the um I forget the woman who's like one of the main generals who's also deaf. Oh like my god, my, yeah, I love my, her. My my initial view my initial view of these characters was they looked like where they were dressed like her. And then I was like, who's an actor who could maybe pull off that to a certain degree? And then I was like, I don't know why I said that cuz Carrie Ann Moss doesn't really look like that that character i think it's a cartoon the short hair i think is what what connects it yeah so on a parlay when you have leverage on a gm character i'm claiming that i know information that she doesn't have i could i could go with that uh if i if i wanted to get an unnecessary an additional role in here that i'm questioning its necessity it would be like could you I might say like you would need to make a defy danger with charisma to make her think that you are at all not lying mm-hmm. and then do this parlay I just don't know if I want that many additional roles I am totally fine if I don't make this roll with you knocking Farley out or killing him that's that's okay like I'm, I'm alright with I'm alright with hard moves that's why they exist like you need oh, for to sure. be taken seriously. So yeah, um, if you want to do two rolls, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Uh, if, if you want the defy danger, could just be her to stop, get her to stop beating on me, and then the parlay could be to try to turn her around and get her to do what I want her to do. I don't want to. I don't want to do a defy danger because we just did that. So that's if if nothing else, just to not do the same roll again. Even though it's the same stat, at least mm-hmm. it's not literally the same roll of, or else she attacks you again. Okay. So all right. So far, one. Let's see what the other... Hey, there's a lot of options. So uh, a five and a one, which makes six, but I get a plus one, so that is a seven. Bare minimum. There you go, seven. Oh, no, but anyone who tries to convince her of anything has a minus three. No. no. So you need some kind of... Oh, no. Then we run into this, the concrete assurance dilemma all the time with this game. Um... Okay, so on a seven to nine, they'll do what you ask, but you need some concrete assurance of your promise. No problem. I, I go. I give her my weapon. I'm like, here, here's my bow. Here's my rapier. Like, I'm surrendering you completely. I'm giving you my weapons. I am totally working with you. I and then and then I actually go like, I feel so guilty. Like, they they made me do it. They they made me do it. Like they said they were going to put a curse on me and my children. My children were to get sick and die from this orc curse. 
and so I had to do it. I didn't want to do it, and now I totally regret it, and I'm so, so sorry, and I will do anything I can to make it up for it. Okay. So, yeah, she uh, kind of she grabs these things out of your hands or knocks them out of your hands as you're, as you're like surrendering those items and uh, does like a cursory like swatting at you to like knock off additional things and she's uh, just says like that's you to save your children how many children how many other people's children did you sacrifice I know I know I feel terrible about it oh god I'm so sorry do you think the gods will ever forgive me she starts pushing you further north like away from where Pascal and Comet and Donato are, she says, "Who let you in? Dark Who is traitor. your inside man? I don't know you." Sor- sorcerers, they're sorcerers, and they're and I actually point back the way I came. I'm, they're back that way. I mean, do you want to? And I point to where the way she was pushing. I'm like, do you want to go get reinforcements first, or do you, do you want me to show you where they're holed up? Hmm. Um, at this, I think you can notice one of the things that you can notice is she is actually terribly wounded. And so, like, as she's pushing you, like, you are not a medical expert or a fighter or these kind of things, but it is not tough to tell that um, she is terribly, horribly wounded and uh, is using, used a lot of her strength probably to uh, try to murder you. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, congratulations of not being murdered. You can you can tell just by looking at her. That doesn't require any kind of role. Um, okay. But she she kind of like looks back towards where you're saying like, oh, they're back there. Cool. When she does that, I want to palm like maybe a piece of, of a sharp rock or a, or something on the ground. Like or like nearby, I just want to palm something that's sharp that could maybe cut skin. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And we see we see Farley kind of she she turns in just a little a chip of, uh, we had said coquina, so there's like a piece of literally shell, like sharp shell Perfect. that he, he just grabs and fucking magicians away in his hand. Awesome, and then we hop back. Comet and Pascal, there are a lot of javelins that are being flung at you guys right now from a great distance. Like, you don't see who's even throwing them at you distance. Um, javelin snipers. So, that's kind of what's happening. And part of me thinks two things. Because of Pascal's fail and because of Donato's bringing unwelcome attention, like those two things are kind of combining here. Is it fair to just say that you guys all get hit by these? Or do you think it's fair? Or do you think I need some kind of like uh, defy danger role among you guys? Or do you think certain people are more sub- more likely to get a defy danger role than not? I feel like somehow all the javelins just hit Pascal for some reason. Yeah. You know, and none of them hit Donato, and there's no explaining it. <laughs> yeah, real weird. Okay. Yeah, but you know that's 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 two. So. <laughs> all right. Well, the votes are in. <laughs> We've tabulated the votes. We've gone to the leaderboard. Maybe um, if we all just took like one damage roll, just like and get this over with. We could, that actually is a good idea to just kind of knock it out quickly. I was thinking that Pascal, as someone who has encountered this before, might have like a way of avoiding it, but he also was the one who had the failed roll. Yeah, this is like two hard moves, or two failures in a row. Totally, totally makes sense. Okay, um, let's do it kind of like a real stinker of a way. 
Bugs Bunny shows up. He is a stinker. Haney, could one of you guys roll 2d6 and tell me which of the high, which is the higher of... I rolled a one and a five. All right, there we go. So a one and a five. So you guys are going to take five damage, one of which is piercing. What does that mean? Uh, it cuts through one armor. So if you normally have one armor, which normally subtracts from the damage, this ignores that armor. If you have two armor, which would normally subtract two damage and make it three, instead you take four. Got it. So, cool. Um, yeah, these javelins rain down at you guys, and it's got to be, yeah, Pascal, you you remember this that like the orcs sacking the capital were able to throw these javelins at like this in this nutso distance where you guys could not see them. Usually, javelins are thrown at like far closer range than arrows. This is like, this is like kind of archery level range with these javelins that are these big heavy spears that kind of like clunk through them. And I think for you, one of the problems with the, one of these javelins is, I think one of these javelins either like knocks something of yours loose or in some kind of way impedes your ability to move. So, if you want a, a grisly way would be it like it goes into your calf and so then you're like, I'm not able to easily move at all. Um, a less, a more comical way would be it's like, oh, it cuts open your bag or your belt and like all the shit that you have and you're trying to carry it. If you're trying to carry it, you either have to leave it or you're fumbling around as you're trying to move about the most comical way, of course, would be it hits your belt and your pants fall down, <laughs> and you have heart boxers underneath that we all see. Uh, yeah, which one? Which one you think it happens? I mean, you like, know, you know my temptation to go for number three, yeah. but um, I don't want to have it be too grisly. Uh, but also, this game is supposed to be kind of darker and more serious. So, if you're okay with being like grievously, terribly wounded. Uh, sure. Is that like a condition, you think? I think we'll just kind of put the tag on you or the condition that you're slowed. Hmm, okay. So meaning like not in combat per se if you don't have to move around. Like if you can stand still, you're okay. But if it's like, hey, Pascal, we need to leave. Mm -hmm. You're now limping around or someone has to support you as you're going. Okay, yeah. So he'll probably cry out in pain at that for sure. Sure. Um, yeah. Does it does it go into your calf? Does it just go straight into your foot? Um, what do you think? <laughs> My tibia. Uh, you scream. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Just like right, maybe like a right into his boot or something. Oh yeah, because then it can go into the boot, and we can just see like you trying to pull the thing off, and we can yeah. just see the hole in the boot. We don't have to. Uh, we can just have a bunch of blood pouring out of a boot. And we don't have to special effects it too much. He's leaving like a red footprint behind him. Oh yeah, little Jeffy again. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> from Family Circus with the little footprints. Um, yeah. So you suffer that damage. It's not like life-threatening damage, but you're like, you're a warrior. You know, your foot's fucked up. You can still fight because you can plant yourself down and you're a nimble guy who knows what he's doing. But if you need to run away, like possibly from a bunch of people who just threw javelins at you, 
Uh, somebody's gonna need to help carry you. Uh, Comet, you take that five damage. If you have any armor, it subtracts from it. Right. What do we? What's Comet doing as this javelin hits him, or as he's hurt in this? Because keep in mind, we said also it doesn't the javelin doesn't even have to necessarily hit you, but you're hurt. Yes, uh, I would say probably maybe just went through and right deep through the side, and it's immediately a what the f and putting the shield above me and attempting to run away from wherever the uh, javelin came from. When you say it went direction. When you say it went through your, right through your the side, do you mean between your arm and your torso, or like into your torso or into your arm? Like piercing through the torso to the side, like not to the the point where I'm like hitting any bone or anything, but maybe it's like love handle, where it's like, oh okay, <laughs> oh jeez, so I have to like pull. Oh yeah, oh so yeah, I imagine that some of these javelins. Wait, maybe no. you maybe you oh. luck out where like the barb on this javelin or something like that uh, breaks when it hits the ground under you and you're able to pull it out of there. And again, there's blood. This is also hideous. Um, Donato, where are you keeping that uh, amulet that you found? That iron ingot amulet. Oh, he's got a pocket in his hat or in his butt. Okay. Um. Sure, he's got he he put it under his hat, and uh, what kind of hat is it? Of course, now that I got to ask that. Well, it's it's a quite fancy hat, the fanciest part of his outfit. Okay, uh, are we it's, talking it's very like stylish? Are we talking like um, haha? I'm the Scarlet Pimpernel kind a of a little deal. bit. I mean, he's supposed to be a court jester, well, third string. It's got like a feather coming out of it. Okay, I like it. So yeah, so you've got this kind of iron ingot thing under your hat, which is pretty heavy. Probably weighs like two pounds. Like, this would not be a fun necklace to be wearing. Um, and when this thing hits you, uh, you have two advantages. Or two things happen that are actually very positive. One is that it hits a two-pound iron ingot instead of entering your skull. <laughs> the second is that it turns into blunt force rather than piercing stuff so you don't get Phineas gauged by this javelin. And, uh... Yeah. But there's something about this that makes you go, what? What did you roll when you were inspecting magical items? I didn't roll anything. This is oh, an just, inherent part of my like tool set. Hmm. Okay. Uh, you, you know something was up with this. This was very weird. Maybe you can look into it further later. Um, but it hit this iron ingot and like I said it essentially it it took what was supposed to be five piercing damage and subtracted three from it and turned it into instead bludgeoning damage so it feels like you got like punched in the head really hard rather than having a spear slide through your skull okay nice and I'm interpreting that to mean that if it's now two damage and it's not piercing Minus one for armor is just one damage instead of five. Is that right? Um, you know what? Yes. I could have said anything there. I could have gotten away with it, right? It adds three hit points. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, oh, and I'm, I'm just, I realize I'm describing it as no longer piercing. And I don't, I meant that in like the old school D&D as a oh, slashing, okay. piercing, but it's still the word piercing. And I think that's still relevant to this. So yeah, you're right. So this does what? One damage to you? 
Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's, yes. it's a lighter thing than you had thought. So you're like, oh, damn. Yeah, My head's invincible. <laughs> no. Yeah, um, that, that's definitely the takeaway here. This hat is really... Uh, but yeah, you know that this thing cool. hit that ingot. Yeah, okay. So you're not like, I have a magical, I have a magical force field. Like you know, it hit that thing. What were you doing when that happened to you? Um, since I went second, well, let's say I was still in the middle of like healing combat while I was just finishing. Um, so yeah, not not a whole lot. It's just like turning around and be like, ah, okay, give my vocal cords a rest and then shink. Job, job well done. Job well yeah. done, uh, Donato. Good job. Look at you, Comet. All spiffy now. And then, uh, yeah, <laughs> then hell is rained down upon you guys. Um, and Pascal had heard, Pascal knew this sound like when the first wave was coming. And I think you guys can recognize that a second wave of this is coming. Like you hear the sound again. Well, going for cover seems like a good idea. All right, so you 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 think you're you think you're just gonna jump for cover, or hell, like just running, running away. Like I'm gonna like start running and seeing if that if that's a plan that these guys are on board with. Sure, uh, you guys, Donato's like we gotta run. Which of course, when Donato says it, it sounds like we got to run. <laughs> I think uh, Pascal like rips the. Uh this javelin out of the top of his foot and starts limping and he's like oh that might be a problem friend oh right whoops okay um Donald's gonna like hesitate here <laughs> and like like it's clear that he knows what needs to be done if Pascal's gonna survive this and he like stops and like halfway between like running away and coming back he like looks over at Comet I'll look over at Donato I'm gonna be like fucking all those muscles and he can't hop and I'm gonna I'll put uh, uh, Pascal's arm over my shoulder and try to hold the shield up to protect our heads as we try to limp move over okay well if he sees the shield go up then he'll like make up his mind and like come back and like try and help okay <laughs> yeah you guys can you guys can start moving away um, but I'm gonna have you make a um yeah, defy danger roll. It sounds like you're just trying to get the fuck out of there. So that sounds like dexterity. Uh, I think really Donato and Comet are doing this. What what do you what do you guys think? How 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 should we kind of work this thing? Donato seems like he's doing his own role, and then it seems like either Comet or Pascal is doing this, and the other person is maybe helping, or maybe someone is defending other people. Um, I mean, it, it sounds like I'm helping uh, Pascal with moving and maneuvering. Um, essentially using me as a crutch. Okay. I almost want to say, like, yeah, like, who's the person who's kind of most in charge in the situation? And that's the person making the role, and the other person is helping out and uh, It sounds to me like Comet's, like, sort of the driver of what's happening here. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so then Comet and Donato. Uh, let's let's see these rolls. I guess they're dex rolls. They're two? Yeah, two, 2d6 plus your dex right. bonus. Seven. Seven. Hey, seven's a success. Uh, I also got seven. 
all right. Those are those are successes. Okay. Um, cool. So you guys start heading. I'm gonna ask which. I'm not gonna ask which direction. It kind of makes sense if you just keep going essentially north, essentially further towards twelve o'clock. Um, unless you're like, oh, we're gonna go back to the boat or. We're going to try to go in a different route that kind of is different from where anybody else has gone. Or anybody else has gone. Oh, it sounds fine to me. All right. So, yeah, we see you guys head that way. And um, the 7 to 9 is that you can hear that terrible... Uh, how did Carl... How did you describe it again? Chirruping noise. There you go. Of those hounds. And you realize, like, oh, shit. We're... We're making ourselves tough targets to hit with javelins. Now more of these fucking dogs. And, uh, yeah, you see these things which are very fast, and they are right on your tail. So, we're hop back over to Farley. Farley. Um, buff Carrie Ann Moss. This guards person is, uh, like I said, like pushing you. You see that she looks grievously injured. She has like a real crazed glint in her eye. She's covered in dirt. She's covered in blood. She seems very disgruntled to say the least. Uh, her face is covered in dirt. She's got blood all over her, which now you realize is also a lot hers, not just other people's. Um, when you've seen these guards, the honor guard, they are usually fairly stoic. And she is absolutely not that anymore. She's, like, throwing a lot of curses and epithets and swears at you as she's kind of, like, pushing you forward. You've you pocketed that, uh, that shell. She, yeah, she wants to know, like, who are these, who are these, who are these evil people who, who let you, how did you, how did you get in? Sorcery. They, they were able to use the orc sorcery, and, and then, like, he'll go, like, what was that? Was that was it the dogs? Are the dogs coming? And he looks over their sh her shoulder, like for a moment, like in fear. Those Ooh. creatures. Um. So you're doing like kind of a faint. Yeah, I want to try to. Um. I want to try to apply. We'll attach it to my sharp stone. Uh huh. Which is a poison that I carry on me in a secret place. Let's see how well you do on this, and then we can okay. just say like, yeah, absolutely, that you do this or that. Yeah, and I think that that's cool that you are doing this with like a shell knife. Yeah, so uh, so you're trying to do this and probably also scratch her, scratch her with it. Yeah, um, and that's the one that is that the one that makes you tell the truth? No, it makes you fall asleep. It makes you fall asleep. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. Let's just uh, have you do this as I think that's another charisma roll for the faint part of it. Sure. And uh, yeah, it's probably that. Okay. Sounds good. Hey, look, another one. Let's see what I get next. And a two, so that's a total of four. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. By Carrie Ann Moss's blade. Oh, wow. <laughs> Cannot pull one over on Carrie Ann Moss. Thanks for joining us today for another exciting episode of This American Dice Presents The Fate of Blackburn the Lesser, Episode 5. Blackburn the Lesser was a Dungeon World game, a game by Adam Cobell and Sage Latora, if I'm saying those names correctly. Our cast included Jared as Farley, Carl as Donato, 
David as Pascal, and Justin as Comet. Austin was your game master. Music for this episode included Street Life, Silent Film by Lobo Loco, A Dangerous Location by Ron Ernest, Rallying the Defense by Per Kilstoft, Oblivion by White Sand, For You, King by Ender Gunier, and Winter is Coming, Adagio, First Snow by D. Yan Key. Be sure to join us next week for another exciting episode of The Fate of Blackburn the Lesser. And every Thursday, join us for This American Monster. Saturdays, our old long games go up on YouTube, and Sundays, our old short games should be up there. Check them out, as they seem to be disappearing from our regular feed. Till then, check us out on social media, like Facebook, and hop on our website if you want to, thisamericandice.com or .net. Till then, we'll see you on the internet, and I mean, really, you'll be listening to us. Yeah, see you then. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Carrion Moss cast. You should, just, uh, uh, you should just bring the fight to us at this point. <laughs> also, I didn't know, know I'm talking about Carrie Ann Moss so much. I haven't seen her anything in like years. She's going to get years. royalties from this one. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. I'm going to think about this for a second. Give me a minute. I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> And uh, not get Carrie Ann Moss out of my head. Hold on. Uh... That move that David is using right now is one of the coolest moves. Oh, I didn't even know he was using a move. Oh, yeah. He's using the move Heirloom from the Fighter uh, playbook. It's one of the coolest moves because, like, the Fighter is all about just you attack stuff and do a ton of damage, and your weapon is amazing. And it's one of the, like... Oh, I see. He, he took exactly the move I would take the minute you get to level two as a fighter. And yeah. it's like, all right, here's the move you take because now your character becomes nuanced. And you're like, oh, totally. well, now I talk to my sword and uh, my sword has a spirit inside it. That's my ancestors and is guiding me like that becomes kind of cool. And you're like arguing with your ancestors and then can give them a bunch of personality. And like that becomes cool. Totally agree. It's the way to go. As opposed to so many of the other moves for fighters are just like do 1d4 damage additional anytime you're doing damage do that, yeah. like, that kind of stuff and it's 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 useful for like when you want to just kill everything it is good but it's you're already kicking so much ass to do that is like oh jesus